so glad that you're tuning in today. I want to deal with some pretty serious things here in just a few minutes, but before I get there, I want to share with you some exciting announcements that you need to know. First of all, next Sunday, we are going to be back in person. At least part of us are going to be back. If you are, if you are local, we would love to have you to be a part of that. Now, we're going to be in our main auditorium when we meet, or most of us will be, and we will practice social distancing, and so that means we won't have as many in there as, as we normally would, so there may be overflow areas and other parts of the building, but it will be great to have some folks here together, even though we're socially distanced, but at least we'll be able to see each other. We'll all wear masks. I know that's a little bit different, but we'll do that because we want to keep people comfortable and people safe, and so that will be part of what we do. Next week, that will start, and we pray the day will come soon when we can, we can be back to not just normal, but to a better normal than what it's been. So that starts next Sunday. Now, also, another thing, some of you may think, well, what goes on? What does the church do? What do the leaders do in this time if they all just kind of taken a vacation? Well, not at all, as you already know from other announcements you've heard. One of the things that's coming, coming, and this is still kind of in the infancy, but I've been asked to share with you today that our elders are working on, on creating some type of counseling center because we want to help our members as well as those in our community to have stronger mental and emotional health, which we pray will lead to stronger spiritual health as well. We were blessed in this congregation for many years with Beth Wade and later with Alan Martin that worked as counselors, but we want to go beyond that into something that is, is larger, a counseling center. And just the everyday problems, marriage problems, problems with kids, job problems, all those things, that's enough just regularly. But we obviously know there are a lot of problems in our world. There are a lot of problems that quarantine and isolation have created economic problems, problems in families, problems with anxiety. And so those things will be coming, as well as we think about even the trauma that we are in as a nation right now, that there is such a need for Christian counseling, for Christians counseling based on the Bible, and we look forward to that. Now let me also get down to our sermon today. You see the title is Go Peacefully. You might think, well, David wrote that sermon last night because we need peace or yesterday or whenever. There are so many, so many arguments for the existence of God. And people talk about all these things of ways to prove the existence of God. Those are all good things. Many of the reasons I believe in God, while I like those arguments, many of the reasons I believe in God are different. And one is this very sermon title today and topic. I chose this topic a few weeks ago. I wrote this sermon on Monday. On Tuesday, the world started to hear and learn about George Floyd and all the other things that have occurred since then. The sermon was written prior to that, which makes me believe that God had intended for this message to somehow be shared today about peace. And I want you to hear these things from me right now. Racism in all forms, whatever group for whatever reason, 
racism is wrong, it is unbiblical, it is against God, it is against the examples of the Bible, it is sin in all forms. I also want us all to understand today that before we say this about this group or this about that group or some other group, that 99% of people in America believe that unjust violence by anyone is wrong and that 99% of people in America think that, that going and destroying things for, no, for, for whatever reason is wrong, that we truly are in this together that Jesus is still Lord and Jesus will be Lord forever. Now let's talk about going peacefully. Often, assumptions often lead to friction. When I assume that someone is doing something because they don't care about other people, I may assume something about you and then I end up looking really silly. I may assume because of your race you are one way or another. I may assume because of the clothes you wear that you are one way or another. I may think you're really wealthy when someone actually gave you the clothes you're wearing. I may think you're really poor, but it may be because you've been working out in the lawn and all these assumptions that I can come up with. I may assume that, that you're driving a nice car because you're wealthy. You might have won it on a game show. Who knows? But I make assumptions that sometimes lead to friction and cause issues. There's not a place for that. I love the scripture, the story, the true story that Adam read for us this morning about Jesus out on the sea with his disciples, <coughs> excuse me, in the boat. And you remember that Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm. And the disciples finally go to Jesus and, you know, you have to wonder what they're doing. Are they trying to work with the sails or take the sails down? Are they trying to hold on? You know, exactly what are they doing with the rigging? You know, how is all that working? And finally, one of them goes to Jesus and says, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You remember that? Do you care if we drown and we all die? That's what they said to Jesus as he's asleep in the middle of the storm. Their assumption was because he was resting, he, wasn't, he didn't care. Now that's not true, is it? Jesus did care. Jesus was powerful. And Jesus stood up. And not only did he say, peace, be still, and calm the storm, what he said to the disciples was, where is your faith? Why are you worried about this? I'm with you. I can handle it. I can take care of it. Whatever problem we have, the Lord can take care of that problem. He is the Lord. Assumptions lead to friction. Jesus does care. Now, I want you to know in this part of the passage that I'm going to be dealing with, or this passage this morning in particular in just a moment, if you are feeling wronged by anyone, this will, be the, this will be an extremely difficult passage of Scripture to digest. 
I don't mean it's just difficult to read. The words aren't going to be hard. What's going to be difficult is practicing what the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write. It will be difficult to live it out. doesn't matter if you're upset about the violence in Minnesota or the violence, maybe your business has been destroyed or, or, or damaged. Maybe you've had a relative who, who something unjust happened to them by the, from the police or someone else or whatever it may be. It could be that you're angry with a boss because you didn't, you were told you were fired over COVID, but you don't think you were and, and you're upset about that. Whatever it is, if it is a spouse that has, that has run away from you or left you and left you abandoned, whatever it is, I want you to hear these words in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, these difficult words this morning. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, and when doesn't it, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, this gets harder. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, some of us right now are saying, amen, that's right. Yeah, don't, don't repay anyone evil for evil unless I feel like evil has been done to me. And then I'm all for, for lashing out and pouring some evil on your head. But the Bible says the opposite. The opposite. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Vengeance is mine, not yours, says the Lord. Let's break down this passage here for just a moment. This is basically the setting of the passage as Paul writes to the Romans. This is, this is his subject. When evil is committed against us is a subject. So when you feel like you have been wronged, if you feel like you have been wronged by someone of another race, if by the police, if, if by your neighbor, if you feel like you are wronged by the IRS, if you feel like you are wronged by a terrorist, whoever. This is the setting. When evil is committed against us, don't take revenge. That's hard because we might be really angry. It might even be righteous anger. Don't take revenge. Do everything as far as you can, do everything to keep the peace. 
That doesn't mean I have to agree with you. That doesn't mean that there is not a place to challenge you and talk through these, through these issues. Don't misunderstand me. We don't have to agree. We don't have to just fall over and let evil happen to us. It's not that at all. But as far as it goes with me, live at peace with everyone. And then he says this, how do I keep the peace? Here's another thing he says. Oh, boy. Another tough one. Serve my adversary. So if you feel unjustly fired by a boss, what would it be like if you baked a cake and wrote a note and dropped it by his office or by his house and said, thinking of you in a difficult time? Wow. Can you imagine anything like that? You actually, can, it certainly would work better than saying something nasty on Facebook, right? Might even hire you back, or she may hire you back. Work much better, wouldn't it? Serve. One of the, <coughs> excuse me, beautiful things I saw yesterday, I saw it on our Facebook page for the church, and then I saw it in other places. Of groups of people of various races praying along with police officers of various races. That's a beautiful thing. It's this passage in Romans exemplified. But sometimes I just get in a bad mood. Things go badly. And, and you've said this probably before, you know, and you get to work. Maybe you've had bad traffic on the way there and people weren't nice to you and they waved at you in ways you did not appreciate and you get to work and you start yelling at people at work and now you take it out on them. You know what I'm talking about? People at work didn't do anything to you. The people, your family didn't do anything to you, but you're mad at somebody else. Just yesterday, or, or a couple of days ago, Barbara was out in the yard with our dog, Stoops, our little Shih Tzu dog. He's out there. He's 11 years old. He didn't move around a whole lot. He, and he's out with Barbara sitting and looking at the neighbor's cat who's come over to visit. This cat is not our favorite, maybe. It lives next door, but spends a lot of time over in our yard. You have a yard, stay in your yard, right? Our dog stays in our house. But he's, our, he's it's a good cat, not a bad cat, good neighbor. Well, in this particular moment, the dog and the cat were looking at each other, and they were getting along, according to Barbara, who was out on the lawn, sitting down on the ground with them. And I walk out of the front door, and the cat's name is Francis, and I walk out, and I'm in a good mood, and I say, Hey, Francis, scared the cat to death. Did not know I was back there. So do you know what Francis did? Francis lifted her paw and hit my dog right across the chops because she was scared. he was scared of what I had just done. Now, I felt terrible for my poor dog because I was the one who caused the problem. Have you ever done that? You got upset at somebody else that did not cause the problem? Doesn't make any sense, does it, to hurt someone who didn't cause a problem? In Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, another tough passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, anything, but in every situation. Why did he have to throw in anything and every? But he did, inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when, in, in, when there is an injustice done, remember the Lord. Pray to God. How do I keep the peace? Oh, rejoice always. One thing I've learned over time as a Christian, and probably you have too, is I can be rejoicing and not happy at the same time. There are things here that grieve me and make me so sad, but I can still rejoice because I know there is something better on the other side. If I'm sick, if someone is sick in their terminal, I can rejoice that I know heaven is there. I know salvation is waiting. I know those things. So even when I see things that make me sick on television or I see things that I consider an injustice or I feel like there is an injustice that has happened to me or one of my family members, and believe me, it's much worse when it happens to my family members than it is to me. The Apostle Paul says rejoice always. Oh, this next part. Let gentleness and patience be evident to all. Sometimes I don't feel very gentle. Sometimes I don't feel very patient. And the Apostle Paul would smile. And he would say, well, the Holy Spirit inspired me to tell you in the 21st century, as well as every century before or after, let gentleness and patience be evident to all. Well, how can I do that when I see these things, when someone does something to me? <coughs> Excuse me. Pray. He says it comes from prayer, from true focused prayer. I don't mean, Lord, thank you for my meal today. Why don't I have peace? I don't mean that kind of prayer. I mean deep prayer. Lord, this is a struggle. Read through the Psalms and you will see the laments the times whenever the psalmist would cry out to God. But it is through that crying out to God that we find peace and we are reminded that God is in control and God can do this. Now here's another part of that passage. Choose thankfulness. What do I have to be thankful for? I lost my job. I have to wear a mask. Boy, what do I have to be thankful for? Do you know what's happened, the injustice to, to me or to my race or to whoever? How would I choose thankfulness? Well, if I'm in Christ, I choose thankfulness because I have a home with God forever. If I am in Christ, I know that there was an in terrible injustice that was done to my Savior who died for my sins, and I'm the one who caused the injustice. And I praise God because the tomb is empty, and I thank him. I thank, I thank Jesus because Jesus was willing to take on my sins, and I thank the Father who raised him from the dead, and I thank him that he gave us the Holy Spirit that we would always have him with us. And I have reasons to be thankful. I have material reasons to be thankful. 
I had a car to get in and to drive today. We have streaming for folks can watch our services. And how wonderful is that? I have so many reasons to be thankful. I have a family to be thankful for. I choose thankfulness. As I have seen those who have lost the ability to breathe on their own over the last few months that are on ventilators, I have thanked God every single morning that I am breathing clearly. I didn't thank him for that before. I choose thankfulness. James chapter 1, verses 22 and 26. It's all good 22 through 26, but I just want you to see these two verses this morning. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Oh, do what it says. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. So how do I keep the peace? Follow God's word. Do what it says. Now, often in a church setting, when everything is just normal, as we call it, we start sometimes have used this verse to say, oh, well, we talk about worship service and we talk about what kind of music to have and we talk about taking the Lord's Supper every week and we talk about these things. See what the Bible says? But most of the Bible, including this passage, is not talking about a worship service. Although you can apply it that way, that's not what it's talking about. It is talking about our daily lives do what it says. So the way I treat other people, whether they be of my race or another race, is I treat them like Jesus did, being willing to die for them. I treat them as if they are in the image of God because of whatever race or whatever they look like, fat or skinny or whoever they are, they are in the image of God. I do what it says. I let God be the judge. I don't take revenge. I give it to God. I do what it says. This is hard to do. And we all fail at it sometimes. But this is where we're aimed. He said, hold my tongue. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue or their fingers typing on Facebook or Twitter, their religion is worthless. You say one thing, you do another, and you make those who are not sure if they believe in God or believe in Jesus to say that the rest of us are hypocrites. Keep a tight rein on the tongue and on the fingers and make our religion worthwhile. Now he goes on in this passage and he says, you know what's worthwhile? Taking care of widows and orphans. And it's not just specifically widows and orphans. He says, you go out there and you help people and do things for people who can never pay you back. Who all they can do is say thank you if they can even do that. We practice our religion for the purpose of honoring God, not to get kudos from others. Although it's nice to get kudos from others, it is all about glorifying God. 
So how do I handle adversity with others is my question for today. How do I do that? Incidentally, just a little aside, we're going to have a little, we're going to honor our high school seniors after the sermon today, and you may want to stay for that. I hope you do to watch that. How do I handle adversity with others? Some of us are really good at it, and some of us aren't, and some of us, most of us, need to do better at that. I read a story, you might even call it a fable, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it, but it was a story about a king who, who started this kingdom, had this wonderful kingdom, everybody loved the king, it was a wonderful place to be, and he wanted the crowning jewel of his kingdom to be peace. And so he asked everyone in the kingdom to paint a picture, make a painting of peace and how to symbolize peace. And he said, whoever wins, I'll give this huge cash prize to, and we will hang that painting in the middle of the palace. Well, everybody painted, and finally they got down to, there were two paintings that came to the forefront. And one was this beautiful painting of a lake, and it was sunset. You could see the sun setting through the cattails, and there were little swans on the lake. And I mean, it was just gorgeous. It was peace. Really brought that feeling to a lot of people. And then there was this other painting. This other painting was of this steep mountain with a big ledge on it. And way far away, you could see these terribly scary storm clouds with lightning coming out of the storm. And there was a waterfall that was raging like it was out of control. If you were to get in it, you would die. It's kind of scary. And then there were these trees on the side of the ledge that were all gnarled and ugly. And, and then there was one little bush growing out of the ledge about halfway up. And in this little bush, there was a bird's nest and a bird sitting on its, a mother bird sitting on its eggs. And the king came in, and you already can guess which one he chose. He chose the picture of peace to be the one of the scary scene of the storm and the waterfall and the bird sitting on the eggs. And people said, why would you pick that? The other one shows peace. He said, no, no, you misunderstand. This picture of this bird is perfect because peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is a state of mind. Those who experience peace have love in their hearts even when turmoil surrounds them. There is a peace that we can have as Christians in the midst of the turmoil of our world, whether it is because of rioting or because of injustice or because of, of COVID and pandemic. We have a peace that passes understanding. It is a peace that is found in Christ. And if you want to be baptized into Christ, into the Prince of Peace, and have your sins forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can do that. Email me, call me, or, or write to elders at mcoc.org. And we'll make sure that happens. If you have a prayer request, let us know if it's public or private. But send it to elders at mcoc.org. We want to be people who help each other get through difficult times. We need each other 
and we need the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this congregation. So many wonderful people. People of various races, of various nations, of various backgrounds. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray that we will look like you in the midst of our struggles. Whether we are fighting with cancer or we're fighting with heart disease, if we are fighting with, with the injustice that we see in our world or, or with whatever it may be, if we're just in a, in a season of frustration because of quarantine and, and economic issues, Father, we pray that we will look like you and your son, Jesus. Oh, please help us, Father. Forgive us not only of our actions, but of our thoughts. We want to do what it says. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.